power on. It's TIE Fighter Renegades, a Star Wars podcast. Woo, the Golden Stallion, the Man of Tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R Radio Star, here for you, baby. For, well, you know how this goes. I am not alone, but my man Rob and I are here for some TIE Fighter Renegades. Rob, welcome back, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, always. Uh, so we've got we've got some business to get into in this episode. We're going to open it up with talking about a little business, a little business going on at Disney. Uh, one of the rare times I think we can talk about something positive happening over there. Uh, but maybe we'll get into some more positivity around Disney because we're also going to get into a review of the first five episodes of Star Wars Bad Batch. Was it worth the time or, you know, is it something that uh, reflects what we might have uh, done in the toilet a few minutes ago? I don't know, but we'll, <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we'll get up my thoughts, Rob's thoughts. And uh, of course, you can always email uh, or contact the show via the Sovereign Tech email address questions at SovereignTech.com. Or you can actually go to the Sovereign Tech Telegram group and ask questions there if you want. Believe me, we do keep an eye out there uh, for those sorts of things. Or if you ever want to share your thoughts, we're happy to read them on the show. And the show, again, being TIE Fighter Renegade. So we might as well talk about some Star Wars. Um, and we're also, by the way, I didn't mention it. We are also not just Star Wars, but we're going to finish up our ranking of uh, Star Trek within the Star Trek franchise. In the last episode, we had done um, a ranking of the Star Trek movies, which uh, Rob had some, in my opinion, very interesting choices. I'll put it that way. And you certainly want to go back and listen to those. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we'll see how interesting it gets when we rank the television series uh, in this episode, minus any fan fiction. When we say minus any fan fiction, that means, frankly, anything that wasn't under like Rick Berman's purview or Gene Roddenberry's. But anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save that for later. Um, but uh, yeah, why don't we open this up with some business? And the business is coming out of IndieWire. And this is a story fresh as of May 21st, 2021. Though maybe it's not so fresh as far as when this all happened. But Dave Filoni, as Rob often calls the heir to the empire, that being George Lucas's empire, uh, is now uh, executive creative director of Lucasfilm. And uh, I put a link in the show notes if you want to read more about this. Now, there's a, there's an interesting thing is that in so, in the some of the tweets about this, it's saying that he's an a n an executive creative director at Lucasfilm, which would seem to insinuate that there's more than one, um, or you know maybe there's not more than one, and this is putting him in 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 a very very high high level. Which, I mean, Rod, let me ask you, I know this doesn't come as a surprise to you that they would, you know, put him in this position. Um, but do you think anything's really changed here? I mean, it seems like he's just been given title to me, but, you know, what What do you think? Uh, I don't think anything's changed in terms of, you know, what's going to happen in the future. I think mm -hmm. this is definitely a reflection of kind of the, the announcement that we got last year of all of these shows, which definitely seemed to be largely tied into Filoni's, you know, storytelling for Star Wars. Right. And you're meaning like, uh, like Acolyte and, uh, yeah, what is the, the New Republic Rangers right. and Ahsoka and the book of Boba Fett. And, you know, this, this all seems to be tied into a, a Filoni verse, if you will. 
And sure. this kind of reflects that. And basically, the way I see this is this this puts you know uh, uh, Dave Filoni as basically the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing. I don't think I've seen or heard a peep from Filoni, even though he's certainly a man of a few words. Uh, you know, he, he keeps his, his mouth, uh, or his lips, uh, tightly sealed. It seems under his big black hat. And I haven't heard him say anything about high Republic. I have no idea what he thinks about it. If he's even read the stuff, uh, you know, and I'd love, love to hear, like, get his take, um, on, on everything. Um, as far as this larger Filoni verse, I think we're going to have somewhat of a conversation around that when we get into bad batch, because some interesting players have become involved, uh, as we saw in more recent episodes of bad batch, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't necessarily think that anything has changed. I think that they were always, there were certain characters we knew that Filoni has had control of that, you know, he has to give the okay on as far as what happens with them, particularly Ahsoka. Um, but I mean, again, no surprise here, but I feel like he was already doing this anyway. Um, maybe not so much with the sequel trilogy, but just about everything else. It seems like right. he had a, a, a pretty iron fist uh, involved, which I mean, I'm glad that he did. Right. So although some people on Twitter have been like, you know, wishfully thinking that somehow Dave Filoni is going to use the world between worlds to erase the sequel trilogy, which is a bunch of bullshit, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Not that I would be like 100% opposed to that, but it's it's not going to happen. Yeah. And as we've talked about, it doesn't need to, because the way like that, the Mandalorian was tying in so well with like Snoke, right. Or, you know, with, with the sequel trilogy anyway, uh, as long as you give us more history, you know, we can buy what's happening in the sequel trilogy. Like, but you just got to give us more reason. You got to give everything that's happening there more weight. And with the Mandalorian, at least he's building that up. And I'm sure he will with other properties as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is only a good thing in my opinion. I I assume you would say the same Rob. Oh, absolutely. Of course. I mean, like I said, I I call him the, the heir to the empire, the Lucasfilm empire. So, um, you know, this is, this is all appropriate and good. And, um, you know, I mean, apparently Kathleen Kennedy was the one who promoted him. So, this kind of, you know, throws a monkey wrench in, in some people's theories about there being a, a Lucasfilm civil war. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing, so Filoni's the guy who really doesn't seem to care about the dollars and cents of this. I mean, he's, he just wants to make like, you know, really great star Wars. Right. Um, which seems to be, you know, an exceptionally rare thing in what is frankly now a, uh, well, it's not a duopoly, but it's no, it's, 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 it's a duopoly now. Uh, <laughs> thanks Amazon for buying a, a MGM for a few billion. Now everything, like you said pre- earlier, Rob, uh, now everything's just Sony and Disney, like fucking everything is Sony and Disney, you know, Hollywood's turned into Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> and that's worked out so well oh, for government, yeah. right? <laughs> oh boy! Um, well, it's not exactly like Sony and uh, and and Disney are like total enemies either. I mean, like they they work together point. on Spider Man. So yeah, they're really you know yeah it makes you wonder sometimes behind the scenes, yeah. right? It's like mm-hmm. oh they're all buddy buddy, just like mm-hmm. those Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, yeah, they're enemies. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I see this as a good thing because you got a guy that's a genuine creative who's at the top there. And you know what? Like, if you've got a bunch of people under him, white collar idiots that, you know, just make sure that the spreadsheets look good at the end of the day, but you let him make his calls, awesome. You know, I mean, then fine. Uh, at least we'll get, uh, if not great Star Wars, we'll get, you know, halfway decent Star Wars that 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 still plays within the, uh, well, what we've come to expect, say, from Filoni or George Lucas, more so than what we've gotten from the likes of others in recent years. So I guess with that said, unless you have anything else to, to talk about on that, Rob? No. Yeah, so I guess with that said, we'll get into uh, the latest creation, the latest bit of content, because, you know, they they actually, studios don't call this stuff movies or uh, series anymore. They just call it content when they do their calls. Um, there's probably like something feeding us something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to extrapolate from the fact that they don't call it again, no matter what it is, they just call it all content and you, you gotta, you gotta wonder about that. Um, but regardless, um, so the latest to come out in the Star Wars universe uh, as a regular series is Star Wars Bad Batch, which started um, on Star Wars Day on May the 4th. And we're five episodes deep now into this. And I will say spoiler alerts uh, here. So if you haven't watched all five of these, first off, uh, you know, go ahead and pause this and you can go and watch them. But second off, before you pause, feel free to watch them at like 2.5 to 3x. <laughs> You might not miss anything. No, I, no, no, no. I, I, okay. It's not, it, it's really not bad. Um, so Star Wars, bad batch. So we're five episodes deep on this. Um, this is a series that basically picks up right after the clone wars. I mean, right after episode or like even during the events of episode three, uh, this yep. picks up because we get the speech from Palpatine of creating, you know, the, the galactic empire. Um, I think, you know, we can get into the details around this, but let me ask you, Rob, we'll open it up. Uh, I mean, what do you, what do you think of this so far? Yeah, it's a continuation of the Clone Wars, which I'm perfectly happy with. I, I mean, mean, it's basically season eight, right? Doesn't it feel yeah, like it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I mean, admittedly the, the, the Bad Batch episodes weren't my favorite part of season seven, uh, mm -hmm. but I'll take this over 90% of what's on TV these days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and I, I, I agree with those sentiments. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not blowing me away. Like maybe Mandalorian was right, but I like it. Yeah. I'm laughing, you know, I'm enjoying it. Uh, like I'm digging what, what's being put down. Uh, we're getting uh, characters that don't have to be as good as they are. I think don't have to be as funny as they are. They could be just frankly ridiculous. Uh, like Wrecker could just be you know, a totally cliche character, but I actually think he's pretty funny. I, I, and, uh, I was wondering, and I, we, we talked when we, cause we reviewed in the last episode, we reviewed the trailer for this and I basically said, well, this is just going to be the A team in space. Um, and I was actually wondering about four episodes in, I'm like, well, is this really going to be the A team in space? What, what do they got going on here? Or is this going to be something completely different? Because I did expect the show to be also, fairly straight comedy and it's not that it's funny, but it's not straight comedy. It's actually very serious, uh, often enough. Um, but when we got to episode five of it, 
finally, I was like, oh, yeah, no, we are getting the A team in space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. I mean, they're going to take, they're going to get paid for the jobs. They're going to take the jobs. And yep. again, I have no problem with that. I'm totally fine with that. Cause I think the A teams, it's a great, it's not something that you can do for a long time, but I don't expect the show to go more than five seasons. Uh, I'd be amazed yeah, if I, it went five seasons. Go ahead. Yeah. It's same here. I, I expect this to be like a two, maybe three season show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, and if you're going to run with the A team formula, you can get away with that for three seasons and it's enjoyable. There isn't a lot of things that they could explore. I mean, this, I mean, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I really conceptually like about this show is, is that we get to see, you know, what happens to the clones after the clone wars, right? You know, because that's not really something that has been explored in depth in really any of the comic books or movies or anything. Yeah. Um, and we're also getting as of episode four, we're getting introduction to, okay, wait, how does, how do the clones get phased out? You know, right. like, how, how do we get new stormtroopers? Uh, and you start to see that there's a bit of a mixture, um, you know, as far as like, okay, it appears like Tarkin himself says, no clones are still going to have a purpose, but then this other Admiral guy that's working with Tarkin uh, is really on board with bringing in special forces. Uh, right. I thought it was very interesting that uh, the the regular humans that they bring on, not the clones, they like they have a conscience. They they have a bit of morality. Right. Um, that's that's something I was going to mention too. And the fact that you know, uh, it, it, it's in fact the clones, specifically Crosshair, that's kind of like setting the bar for how ruthless they need to be in order to like, you know, step up and, and be the stormtroopers that we, you know, know today. Yeah. Which, well, even more than, and also even more than stormtroopers. Right. Cause I think it was pretty apparent. Like they made him look like a death trooper. He had the green visor, right. The whole thing. And, and he's probably going to like, cause we get that point where the Kaminoans are saying, Oh, we've got to have like this new force. That's going to really intrigue uh, Tarkin. And, some, somehow I, I, I get the sense that they're going to use crosshair to, to like be the template for, um, for death troopers, just to guess. Yeah, that's, it's, it's interesting too, because I mean, the, the, the death troopers are always been kind of weird. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that even in, you know, the rebellion era, if the, all the death troopers are in fact clones of some sort, because, you know, they talk in that weird battle language Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think it's well, in like in, with the Vader comics, you know, they actually, you know, some of them get, you know, mechanized. Yeah. And in, I think the Rogue One visual guide, they talk about, or dictionary, whatever it was, um, they talk about how the Death Troopers, like, all have to be over, like, they're, they're huge. Like, they're, they're actually really large guys. Uh, like, they have to be, or I think some of them can be women, too, though, right? Because in Rebels, I think. For some reason, I was thinking one of them was was a gal. But anyway, they like they all they're all a certain height. Like they have to be above six feet or something mm-hmm. like that. And and they have very stringent restrictions on on what can be a death trooper. So yeah, I could see that too. What you're saying that that actually all the death troopers are are clones. Um, it reminds me of if you remember the from the Power of the Force uh, action figure collection back in the '90s. The they they had like GI Joe did where they had the cards on the back that explained more about the characters. Right. And when you bought the stormtrooper figure, it brought up saying that there are those that speculate the stormtroopers are all clones. Um, and they made it clear on that on the back of that card saying that you know it's speculation, 
But now, I, you know, it kind of plays into that idea that's been around for a while, that stormtroopers were all clones. Not that anybody was planning this since 97. I'm not claiming that at all. But just that, you know, that that legend, you know, now has a little bit of basis, I feel like, that that I worked well in my headcanon anyway. Right, right. Well, that and that's, you know, that's here again, very much Filoni's M.O. is to, you know, take elements from, quote, legends and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and bring them into the the canon universe is just that you know right sort of like the 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 uh the the barroom canon yeah <laughs> i like that yeah so now so he wrote uh the first episode of this and i guess we we can get into um we can get into the like you know kind of kind of go episode by episode um but the first episode of it was was that double length that was like an hour wasn't yes. it yeah, yeah it was uh, I would again, I was really surprised when I watched this. I thought it was great. Again, I was laughing. Um, I was really surprised at how serious it was. Um, it because when you watch the trailer, it sounded like it was just going to be, you know, kind of almost slapstick, uh, sort of comedy, but not really. Th- this was dealing with, you know, good soldiers follow orders, you know, like, I mean, there, there are some really deep themes, uh, you know, being laid out here. Um, yeah, I, I mean, to be honest with you, that was my expectation because I mean, mm-hmm. if 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 you're dealing with Order sixty six, you can't you can't make light of that. I mean, there's right. really there's no way you can do that. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're picking right up talking about the you know the the, the chips implanted in the clones that mm-hmm. you know program them for Order sixty six and everything. Uh, now this something that that okay th- there are a few complaints that people have made some I think are justified others I don't get what the hell exactly they're complaining about one of the complaints is with we we get to uh, we get to experience the early life of Caleb Dune um and that being of course Kanan later on and in fact right. they even got Freddie Prince Jr to well basically have a 10 year old sound like a 50 year old but whatever <laughs> that, and that was a bit odd <laughs> yeah it was kind of off but fine okay i know why they did it and i'm glad freddie's getting a paycheck believe me i think the guy you know he's he's dynamite um but something i i know you had said to me when we were talking bef- well before recording i think it was like last week or something but you were saying how you know this really because you get to see the moment where was it master balaba mm-hmm. or something like that uh you get to see where she gets killed and Caleb, you know, experiences this. Now we got that in the Canaan comic books, which was a tremendous comic book series, uh, mini series. And, but it seems like the way that the events happened in bad batch and the way they happened in that comic book don't exactly gel. I mean, what, no, what, you got anything on that, Rob? Not at all. I mean, I, in a lot of ways for me, this just kind of like, um, puts the nail in the coffin about how important in canon the comic books are, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of appropriate that you know that Dave Filoni's in the position that he is now because George would do this all the time, where he would basically throw a monkey wrench in the expanded universe stuff because mm-hmm. they're his characters, right? And 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 that's the way I feel about this is is like. These are Dave's characters. He can do whatever the hell with them that he wants. Right. Yeah, he's the ultimate say in, in it. And and I and I'm with you. I like that. I want 
that's that's what I need with a franchise. I need that mind at the top. Yeah. That he said no. It's like, right. Right. I need there. There needs to be the person at the top who he said he or she or whatever you know says this is what's canon. You know, <laughs> like like that's nice. We can we can say well this is canon this is canon blah blah blah. But we need the guy who can who can, you know who can put down the hammer and say no I'll fucking tell you what's canon and what's not. Right. Well, no, that is you get somebody who's actually able to make real decisions. Yes. Because like. Right. Brian and I's biggest complaint about all of the the extraneous Star Wars content from the last <laughs> few years is, is that it doesn't really have any teeth. You yeah. read these books and you read these comics and nothing really all that big on the level of, say, you know, a Thrawn trilogy happens. Right. Unless there's somebody who is able to make, you know, major decisions behind it. Right. Um, which we'll, we'll get into that with, with episode four, which was probably the top episode, uh, of the series so far, um, where there's a, a lot of connective tissue and you're seeing some vision, uh, certainly from Filoni, uh, I, I think in this. So, yeah, um, the other, so there's that, uh, that it, it kind of calls bullshit on the comics and we might as well go back to how Star Wars used to be pre Disney, where we had the multiple levels of Canon. Right. You know, like movies were at the top and then everything just kind of went, you know, as you, as you go down. Yeah. Give um, me F can all four. Right. Give me F. Yeah. <laughs> F can and G can. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it used to be like, it could almost be fun. It's like, so, so what level of canon do you pay attention to? It's like, Oh, I go all the way to G, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a D can. Oh, all right. All right. All right. So, so at least you watch the cartoons. Okay. No. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so there's that, there's that criticism to be had the other criticism. And, and I think this speaks to the series as a whole. Um, but it was definitely the first one, or I heard this a lot after the first episode came out. And so I kind of want to get it in here is that a lot of people are saying, okay, it's not bad, but what, why do we need this? Like that, that's like, people just seem to be not, not, they're not trashing it. I don't really hear anybody being negative about it. They're not negative. They're just apathetic. To where it's like, okay, it's Clone Wars season eight. So, and I don't care. For me, that surprises me because I'm like, well, well, why wouldn't we want more Clone Wars? You know, if that's effectively what we're getting here. Uh, but that seems to be the the general gist that I get from from people. It's just that they they don't understand why this is getting made. They they didn't ask for it. They don't need it. It's almost yeah, like I've, the response to Solo. Go ahead. I I've seen that, and honestly, the first place I saw it was from. You know, a uh, uh, industry insider, a media person. Okay. Um, so I don't know that I can really take that opinion that seriously. Mm -hmm. um, because it's just I, I. I'll say it. It's 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 a manufactured opinion. Well, I've heard it from people who who uh, like us call bullshit on on the corporatism. Um, okay. So I mean, I just I. Like who, who, what, what Star Wars fan that watched the Clone Wars doesn't want more Clone Wars. So, well, I'll give one example. So there's the guy from retro blasting, right? And he admitted that he loved Clone Wars, but he feels like, I don't know. I, I, he's, he's a bit of, he's, he's more of a Debbie Downer than I am. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so, well, see there's, and there's people too that, that love the Clone Wars, but for some reason hate rebels. And I just think oh, those yeah. people, I, I'm sorry. Those people he are is silly. one of those. They're, yeah. they're, they're silly. Those people yep. are silly. Yeah. 
Yeah, because that, that, that shows Rebels is fantastic. Phenomenal. It yeah. is. Yeah, really. And and this is this is definitely setting up as a bridge between that. I thought that having, you know, despite any complaints around Caleb's appearance and the events that encircled it, uh, I thought attaching it to Rebels right from the first episode was was a win. I was like, yeah, fucking right. Like, let's, you know, this is a this is a franchise. This is a saga. This has connective tissue. I thought that that was a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. I like I said, I I I just I I if if that's your opinion, fine. We we agree to disagree, but I I right. I have a hard time taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah, but because I mean, I agree with your statement. Like, if you loved Clone Wars, why are you complaining about this? Like, we're getting more. <laughs> you yeah, know? there's nothing wrong with it going for 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 ten years or however long you know we're going to get out of this. I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, so. Other than that, uh, throughout the first episode, uh, we do get some Tarkin, which I thought Tarkin's appearances overall in Bad Batch have been uh, very well done, not overdone by any means. It's He's not a crutch to the series. Um, you know, things are entertaining without him, which could have been a concern, uh, but they're certainly even better with him there uh, right. and, and, you know, doing his thing. Uh, it, it, it works. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that um, they've always used Tarkin in the animated stuff very sparingly. But mm-hmm. like you said, when, whenever they do, it just does kind of dial things up to eleven. Yes, yeah, and I felt that it's been that it's been that way, you know. In because the beautiful thing with Tarkin is right, he has that reputation where he's as bad an ass as Vader and the Emperor because he's bossed around Vader in the past, um, and you know how much the emperor respects him. So you can have that other without having to overdo, you know, bringing in, I mean, even though it's awesome when they come in without having to bring in Vader, without having to bring in the emperor, you've got a character that carries just as much cachet. Right. And, and so everything gets, gets taken really seriously. Did you feel that this had a, a really serious tone? I mean, am I, am I crazy in thinking that? No, but I expected it. So you expected it. Okay. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. I didn't, but you did. Okay. Right. Yeah, because like I said, right right from the start, I mean, like we we saw in the trailers that there were going to be elements of Order sixty six, and like I said, yep. I, there's just there's no way you can make slapstick out of that. That yeah. I don't I don't think anybody would tolerate that, and I don't think Dave Filoni in a hundred billion years would ever think to do something like that. Not after watching The Mandalorian. There's no way he's going to take a military issue uh, and, and make a joke out of it. Uh, because uh-huh. when you've got, when you've got, uh, uh, was it Bill Burr or whatever? When yeah, got, yeah. When, when you've got him blasting an officer like right in the face of the table. Uh, yeah, we're going to take, we're going to take these issues pretty seriously. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm still, so here's the, here's the thing though. And this this kind of expands a little bit beyond Bad Batch. I know, and if I have to, if someone wants to call me on the carpet about it, I'll find the issue of Star Wars Insider where it was. And actually, I'm pretty sure it's in the same issue, pre, and this is all pre-Disney, where they talked about the origin of General Grievous, where they had like a short story about that. I know in that issue, they talked about how the reason that the clones obeyed Order 66 had nothing to do with a the chip. There was, there was no chip in their head. That story or not story, but that like that article made it abundantly clear. It's just, that's the nature of soldiers. You get them to a point where no matter what you order them as crazy as it may sound, they do it. And 
I'll, I'll like, I, I thought that that explanation was kind of BS, but then at the same time, I'm like, well, it's a little bit better than the chip in the head. How do you feel about the chip in the head overall? I, I, I guess I, I want to ask you, Rob. Yeah, I mean, it is. Even though the the the, the clones are literally all you know, they're they're clones. They're all identical. Mm-hmm. They're 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 grown, and and literally programmed to be obedient. Not, and I don't right. just mean by the chip. I mean when you watch, you know, uh, Attack of the Clones, and you see you know, all these kids in a line getting their training and they're plugged, got this right. weird headgear on and they're plugged into these computers. Yeah. They're being programmed on how to be soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like, you know, when, when we see in the clone wars, the more human element to them and that mm-hmm. they have a relationship with the Jedi, sometimes it's fraught, but sometimes it's one of genuine respect. Mm-hmm. In fact, that seems to be the, the case more often than not, at least from what we see in the Clone Wars. I just don't see how that you could, you know, order somebody to kill their basically all their generals on the command of some supreme ruler. Right. Who was never really intended to be a supreme ruler to begin with, mm-hmm. because you were still in technically a republic at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, know, I, the thing is, is and, 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 and I'll ask you this question just just and if you don't want to answer it, that's that's fine. Sure. I don't have the perspective, the military perspective. You do. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is, is, would, if, if you got an order to, you know, from the president of the United States directly where he sends out a video video mm-hmm. and says, hey, kill all your commanders, would you have followed it? Not that quickly. I'll tell you that much. Like exactly. there would be so much confirmation on that order. Like exactly. we couldn't, yeah, there's no way we could just receive a, even video of the president or something, you know, or whoever. And they'll say, look, you got to go do this now or we're all dead or something like that. Uh, no, there's going to be confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. Uh, see, but that's the thing. So, so here's, here's, I guess. And as you were talking, like it, it made me think about this is that I feel like, so here's where George Lucas got it right in attack of the clones in episode two, he got it right in that the purpose of the military. And I'm speaking as, you know, again, like you said, someone that's, I was in the army, you know, I went through, I, I know the whole process and all this, you have to strip away the individuality. Okay. Like you've got it. You, you, that's the whole purpose when you first show up for basic training. Okay. Um, like, I mean, for me personally, and this won't take long to tell for me personally, like I was all on board, ready to go. I won't go into the reasons why, but I was all on board, ready to go. And like, I, I, you know, I have been shaving my head forever anyway, but like I made sure my head was shaved. I mean, I made sure I looked exactly like, you know, like the model soldier when I first uh, was at, at Fort Benning in Georgia uh, showing up for, for basic training. And would you believe it? I got yelled at by the sergeants there. And they said, who told you to shave your head? We're all shaving our head. Like, you know, like that, that's, that's what we're all supposed to do when we're going into basic. But this is the thing. They, they, even if they, the drill sergeants have to make shit up if they have to, to tell you that you're doing something wrong so that, and that's part of how they break down, you, you know, your, your, a lot of your individual reasoning. 
Well, not only that, I could see mm -hmm. them being upset about it because it's the act itself of them removing your hair. Not you right. removing your hair, them right. removing your hair. Yeah, yeah, it, it's all psychological. So, but I know for a fact that they tell those drill sergeants, like, you you find the smallest, you find something, you know, to rip on them about, or, you know, about with the, the, you know, recruits about. Um, And I feel like George Lucas in, in episode two was really in attack of the clones, I should say, uh, you know, was really trying to, to show that, that, you know, a military only functions when you strip away individuality and using the clones for that army was an extreme kind of science fictiony way of illustrating that fact that there cannot be individuality. So here, and, and, and it was well done. That's that's why I don't hate that movie as much as some Star Wars fans do. I get why they don't like it, but like when you've been in the military, you do get a little a little more I think you get a little more of what George Lucas was trying to say. Now, I think what happened with Clone Wars and you see it in The Mandalorian, I think you see it in all in most of Filoni's work. I don't know that Filoni was ever in the military, but if he wasn't, he has somebody really close to him who knows what the fuck they're talking about. Because in Clone Wars, it it's just it there, there's so many elements that are just too good in the Mandalorian. There are so many elements that are just too close to home on how it worked, particularly even just in, you know, the most recent Iraq war, uh, that, that somebody there has to know how it goes. So I think Filoni displays a more accurate version of what the military is. It, it, or how he shows like the real world and George Lucas was kind of showing a more perfect world, a more, um, uh, idealized, uh, yeah, a more idealized version, but idealized to the negative, which is fine. Right, right. You know, um, and so so that's what I think is going on because, yes, like no no soldier like dresses has their BDU in, in, in BDUs in tip top shape. You know, when they're they they would all have like specific designs or or whatever. I mean, especially when you're on the battlefield, like you're lucky if everybody's wearing the same damn uniform. Um, so you know, how it got implemented with the clones like Rex and the, even the bad batch and so on. But, you know, within the clone wars, that's more realistic. And yes, you basically would need a chip in the head to instantly follow some order that you received at that level. Absolutely. Right. You would need that. Uh, even in today's military, because in, you know, like us army code, you are taught to question orders. You really are, uh, or at least it's written down that you're supposed to. Okay. <laughs> but because, you know, I mean, and that's a byproduct of the cold war, um, where you could get bullshit orders and they could be, you know, coming from, from the commies quote unquote. Right. So I, I get what George Lucas is trying to say at the same time, Filoni is showing a much more, uh, accurate, a more realistic version of what mil the military is actually like, uh, clones or not, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, there, there's you know, a part of me. Go there, ahead. Go ahead. There's an there's a really interesting thing here, in that um, it, it it may be the greatest failure of the clone army in that they presumed on the assumption that oh well you know we don't have to worry about stripping them of their individuality because mm -hmm. they're all the same. They don't have individual personalities. Right. But the thing is, is like their their experiences and interactions, especially with the Jedi. Um, kind of like it's it's kind of like you know you start at the bottom. There's nowhere to go but up in terms of developing an individual, you know, a personality and mm -hmm. an individuality. 
And they did right. that. You know, we see that through, you know, the, the clone troopers customizing their armor and, right. and all this kind of stuff. The, the stormtroopers don't have any of that. Right. That doesn't happen in the Empire. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's a great point. Um, yeah. I mean, and so I guess there's a part of me that as stupid as it kind of was, or as un, not stupid, it's not stupid, as unrealistic as it was for the reason that the clones obeyed order 66 was just because they were so trained to obey, not because of a chip. I think a part of me likes that better because it speaks to what I think George Lucas was trying to make this blanket statement against armies, which is really clear, which is why his dream society of the Republic didn't have an army right. Originally, like, you know, there hasn't been a standing army for however many generations or blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think I like that better that it's just this, like really this, this ripping on of the concept of a military in itself. But then at the same time, the message that might be better for our world if there's going to be any kind, not that I expect star Wars to, to preach to me. Uh, it does, but I really just want it to entertain me. Um, but I do like Filoni's message a little more in that. Okay. No, you know, guess what troopers disobey, you know, <laughs> like, like yeah. that was the message we kind of hope to get with Finn in the sequel trilogy that we didn't really get to take to the Heights, you know, uh, the importance of disobeying, you know, the, the, whatever bullshit orders are coming around. Um, so, yeah. So overall, I guess I like Filoni's vision better on this, but anyway, I, I don't know if that I have well, an end point with that. Go ahead. I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that, um, I would like to see in, in this show and it's, it's, it's a little dark, mm -hmm. but, um, I, I think it would be, you know, the, the thing I've been most interested uh, about the clones post the clone wars and post order 66 are, do any of them end up developing some sort of, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder because yeah. of Order 66? Because we don't hear about that. Right. You know, maybe and maybe it happens, you know, years down the line after they've all been decommissioned or 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 whatever, you know, like does, you know, the 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 fact that they they turned on their their leaders and, you know, just so instantaneously after they've had time to think about it, really think about it. Mm -hmm. Was there any, you know, lingering psychological effects from that? Oh, I'd love for them to cover that. It'd be amazing. I mean, what they could, you know, I mean, you could go deep with that. Like you could yeah. get into the heart of individuality. You could get into, into so many things, even, uh, I mean, even in bad batch, the, the, the one, I forget his name. Uh, it's not Hunter, not Wrecker, not Crosshair. It's the one who's like part machine. Uh, no, oh, like he echo. Has, echo, right. Who has so many droid parts. Yeah. He's the reg. Like, right. Um, I mean, you know, you could talk about things around that, like, yeah. Hey man, yeah. how does it feel to like not be very human, you know? Right. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. Th there's places that they could go. I don't know that this well, show is ever going to go there. They, go they almost dipped into a bit of that with, with when the episodes where he starts, you know, uh, they, they, they sell him as a droid. And he's kind oh, of yeah, like in episode five. Yeah. Yeah. He's like uh, rolling his eye. Yeah. I think it was four. Mm -hmm. He's rolling his eyes, you know, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, right. okay, I'll, I'll do this, but I mean, this is ridiculous. You're, you're insulting me. Oh yeah. Well, even the, like, and when he gets away, it was great because he, like he said, you know, 
It's like, wait, but I paid for you. He's like, yeah, you got a deal. And he runs off. Like <laughs> even that was a great statement. Like, you know, Hey, I'm worth a lot more, you know, they're basically saying I'm a person and there's no price too high, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, yeah, I hope that they go some of those distances. I hope that they explore some of that. And if anything, like Omega, you know, that childlike wonder that they didn't get to have can really be a reflection on them. And that's about the best thing you could do with the character of Omega. Um, because overall, the yeah. character of Omega, frankly, is annoying to me right now. That's my critique from episode. She, with, yeah, go she's, ahead. She, she's a season one uh, Ahsoka. But I mean. Yeah. This this is this is the 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 you know felony method, if you will. <laughs> this this is not this is not a mistake. This is by design. And 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 Filoni has said this is that you know, Ahsoka was was not intended, designed to be liked in the beginning. Uh-huh. In fact, he told Ashley Eckstein that hey, like you know, like there's going to be some fan backlash. There's going to be some people who do really do not like your character, but we're going to change their minds. Yeah, I, I think what's and, and I think and you're right. And I could see we're in the future and they're already playing her up as being somehow really important to the Kaminoans. Um, we'll talk about that. Disney just has to have their, their their fucking princess like they they have to have their I mean, they even like put that that stupid jewel on her head. And well, I'm glad she ripped that. Like, yeah, I'm glad she ripped that off after the yeah. first episode. Yeah, because it was totally meant to look like a tiara or something. And right, right. It just it felt like a character that was just like a Disney requirement. I know Filoni can turn it around and make it because I mean I hated Ezra yeah, too. She, she doesn't really she doesn't really come off as like the princess type to me. She's more of a tomboy, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, they definitely play her as tough. Like I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, admit, like I said, admittedly, I hated Ezra too, and now I can't wait for when Ezra comes back because, like, it, it's just going to be a badass moment, right? You know? Right. So, <laughs> so just so give, it give it right, time. Give it time. I'll give it time. I'll give it time. But for now, it's just it. It is annoying. Yeah, um, I understand. I get it. I just like yeah. I said, I I I see the path laid out before us, so I'm I'm taking things in stride. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So. Uh, we end up with, of course, the Bad Batch uh, originally has, you know, five characters within it um, that we experienced throughout the first episode. Um, and, you know, the A-team can really only have four. So we got to get rid of one of them. Um, and <laughs> but, but Crosshair, uh, Crosshair is the one that, you know, that basically sticks and, and ends up becoming, you know, kind of the they're setting him up as, as the villain, you know, against the bad batch. Uh, and, right. and it's pretty clear from episode one. And then it really just gets hammered home. Come episode two of the series. Um, how do you feel about the character of crosshair so far? I mean, do you, do you see yeah, him they, as, go ahead. They, I mean, like, I kind of wonder how long ahead they were thinking about this because I didn't like crosshair from season seven. Oh, like, right. I just thought he was an ass. Yeah, you know? I agree with that. And, yes. and and so like, you know, I and and I, I I definitely feel like, you know, I was intended to feel that way. That was that was the mm-hmm. purpose, you know, so they've 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 been, you know, laying the tracks for this for, you know, at least since last year with with uh, the the season seven of the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and frankly, like if they're going to use him as the explanation for uh, because basically they they have a clone here that 
like has the chip, but doesn't exactly need the chip and is like defining himself on his, you know, like, like obedience to the death. Uh, and so again, if, if they're planning on making him like the origin of the death troopers, like, I think that'll be a very interesting story arc. I'm, I'm on board yeah, for that. Yeah. Um, well, no, like I said, I think, I think it plays very well in the fact that, you know, the, the, the human recruits are, you know, finding out from the clone what it's going to take to be, you know, a soldier of the empire. Right. And not only that, he makes a great antagonist because, you know, what better antagonist than have than somebody who, you know, who knows how you tick. Yeah. And, right. And, he was and one has of a them. personal, yeah, he has a personal, you know, uh, uh, relationship with all of them with the exception of Omega, of course. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of feel like, I mean, it certainly, it doesn't have the same emotional weight as this does. I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, uh, the expendables two, um, where you have Mel Gibson or no, it was three, sorry, it's the expendables three where Mel Gibson it was originally like Sylvester Stallone's like partner in the expendables. And then he goes bad and he's like hunting down the expendables or right. you know, whatever. And, right. you know, but you, you need that character who like knows it so deeply to actually believe that you could take down, you know, like people like Hunter wrecker echo and so on, you know? And so right. like that, that works. I mean, it's an old story. It's almost a trope, but you need that. Like it's necessary. Right. Um, and it, well, so it, also cr- it creates drama because he's going to know how to push their buttons. Right. Bingo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and we did get, uh, in episode three. So we, I mean, there was an option. I was really, really hoping that family was going to take, uh, Omega away, but that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought that I, you know, I, I was going to bring that up earlier, but I thought that episode was really important in terms of like, you know, the the clones really have no idea of how to deal with the child. Right. They didn't have childhoods. Right. They just, yeah. they don't get it. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's where that, where Omega could be a really great character is because she can be that reflection of what they never had. And I think it's like, I love, I'm, I always laugh because Wrecker is like so protective you know, emotionally and physically of, of Omega. It's like, don't, don't, don't don't stress out Omega. Don't stress out the kid, you know? (laughs) And I actually, I thought that was pretty sweet. Like, I I really like that. And I mean, and to continue with the A-team analogy, like Mr. T in the show, the A-team was always requesting the writers, no, make me do stuff for the kids. Like show me taking care of the kids and everything. Like that was such a big deal to him. Uh, so I love that records almost kind of carrying on that tradition. Uh, but, but I mean, psychologically, like there's an importance there as well, I think, uh, that I like. So, um, I guess let's talk a little bit. He's just, and he's very comfortable with his relationship with her. Like, yeah, he knows she's smart and he knows he's not smart (laughs) and he's okay with that. In fact, he loves that, that, that they have that dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I'm amazed actually with the character of Wrecker, or because, yeah, we you know, like that kind of character can be a trope too, and we're oh, you know, I'm missing the battle, you know, whatever. But like, it's actually funny. I don't, it just, I've enjoyed it's, it's, the interplay of these characters. I really the, have. The 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 best word. I it's endearing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I and it it just it. I mean, there, there's you could say that they're very simple characters, but considering you know they're they're. Uh, their pet, their pedigree, meaning their pedigree is in, you know, their family of clones, like, you know, that they're all clones and the story around the clones gives them a lot of background very quickly that you don't normally get for characters that usually play up some of these tropes. Uh, and it, it, I'm just, I'm surprised at how well this works. 
I mean, and we use that. We use that. We probably overuse the word tropes, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, archetypes work for a reason. Well, yeah. right. There's a reason they are archetypes. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, like, you know, e- even if I can recognize an archetype right off the bat, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't take that as an immediate negative. Agreed. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. Again, I'm just, I'm really surprised at how much, like, I have no problem. Uh, other than my annoyance of the mega, I have no problem with what's what they're doing with these characters, what these characters are doing. Uh, it, it's just it's all working for me. Um, I, I mean, would you say you'd say the same? I assume. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I I, I wholeheartedly endorse the show. Yeah. And, and, right. don't, and guys, don't watch this at two and a half speed. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. You don't have. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Brian, Brian's no, just being t- silly. Yeah. T- take it in. Take it in because it yes. is enjoyable Star Wars. Yeah. Enjoy it. That's the point yeah. of it. Enjoy yeah. it. I could get into a big subject around that 2.5 X thing, 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 but I'm, I'm, we're not going to, we'll save that for another time. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, no, I, I'm with you. I like, I'm really enjoying the show. Uh, and, I mean, it's hard for me other than like outside of maybe the Mandalorian in the past, it's hard for me to even think of a show where I'm like, Oh yeah, when that's out, like I'm hitting the torrent sites and let's get it. Um, but I'm there for it. So let's talk about episode four, because I think this is maybe the most important episode so far. Um, and we do get, uh, that connective tissue of this Filoni verse as it were in that Fennec Shand being voiced by Ming-Na herself. Uh, makes an appearance, even though, you know, they don't say her name, you know, if you know Ming-Na and if you certainly watch the Mandalorian uh, enough, you get it. And certainly when she puts the helmet on, you get it. Um, and she's of course going after uh, the A-team, I mean the Bad Batch. Uh, and, and it, I mean, it, it's cool. Like her, her introduction, she needed no introduction. You knew what was going on. You knew the deal partly because of this was a time where because I watched something previously in star Wars. And then even though I'm going back in time, you know, to, uh, to the galactic, you know, empire era, uh, it worked, you know, because I mean, Ming Na, her characters as Fennec Shan, we didn't get introduced to until the Mandalorian. And we didn't even get until season two, didn't get a whole lot of her, frankly. Uh, it's, it's definitely setting up her character to have more meaning in the Mandalorian, but then vice versa, the Mandalorian has set her up to have a lot more meaning and it makes sense. You can totally believe that she could go toe to toe with all four members of the bad batch, uh, bringing her in. So a great villain to include along with crosshair. Uh, I think, um, what were your thoughts about Fennec Shand uh, being included in bad batch? Yeah, it does. Like you said, it, it, it brings up that connective tissue. It also, mm-hmm. you know, um, we have our, basically our first, you know, se- oh no, it's our, I'd say our second big mystery. The uh, first big mystery of the show would be, you know, uh, why was, uh, Omega made right. and, and what's going on with that. But the, you know, the second big mystery we have now is, is, you know, who hired, uh, uh, Fennec Shand. Right. And, um, I almost wonder if there's going to be, you know, uh, some sort of Boba Fett appearance from this. If, if you know, perhaps their relationship goes back that far. I did not think of that. I would like that. Yeah. Uh, Cause that would make, that would give again, more color to season two of the Mandalorian. Um, why did she suddenly decide to work with 
Boba, why did Boba save her ass? Well, right, exactly. Yeah, why did Boba show up? You know, right. We only saw his boots, but we, you know, he, he saved her. You yeah. Know, why? Why would he do that? He's not. He's not exactly an altruistic guy. Yeah, it's not just because he's on. Happens to be on Tatooine. Right. You know? Right. Like, and I mean, she, there's got to be a reason. And 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 Fennec Shand, you know, throughout the whole, you know, art seemed very differential to him. And you mm-hmm. know, it, it definitely seemed to me, at least in hindsight, that these two have a history. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're setting up that history, awesome. Um, and that sets up for like, frankly, I'd love it if we got some Boba Fett in this, because I feel like we need a lot more. We've got some post story now for Boba Fett, thanks to the Mandalorian. And of course, book of Boba Fett coming out later this year, but I I need some more intervening years because one of my complaints is clone wars is frankly, the character of Boba Fett. I'm glad he was there, but Man, that was not, that was not, I know he was just a kid, but it didn't, it just wasn't what I, what I wanted out of Boba Fett at the time. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it, it's unfortunate that, you know, like there, there, there was a, a planned Boba Fett episode for the Clone Wars mm-hmm. in that last season, because there were animatics that I saw at Star Wars Celebration that would have actually further developed him into the Boba Fett that we know today and would have explained how he got the dent on his helmet. Right. And, uh, it, it would, it, it would have been great if we could have gotten, unfortunately we didn't get it. Um, but the other interesting thing too, is that, you know, kind of hinting at this relationship between Fennec Shan and Boba Fett is, is, you know, it kind of mirrors the way that his father operated and that, you know, uh, Jango Fett used, you know, Zam Wessel right. was basically a proxy Right. To do some of his dirty work. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, not uninteresting that Fennec Shand wears a very similar uniform, I think, to, to yeah. Zam. Uh, right. Just different colors, orange instead of the purple. But um, yeah, very similar. So I could dig that. And in fact, if they're going to go further with that in Bad Batch, that's, that probably will set us up for elements of Book of Boba Fett. Right. Um, which, hey, like two thumbs up <laughs> let's go <laughs> uh so again yeah and this speaks more to why no don't don't watch this a 2.5x take this in this is good star wars um yeah so i thought that that was the most interesting inclusion um of course they didn't even mention her name you basically have to watch the credits and you know to see that oh yeah it's fennec shan and that's that's ming now when and you know oh, no, the, the um the the lady that hired her did eventually reveal to the um um that that her name was fennec shan well, in epi- episode, was it in four? That episode oh, five, you're I right. Mentioned you're right. I'm Fennec. sorry. Yeah, I'm getting, yeah, that's I'm all getting, right. Yeah, I'm getting it mixed up. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no worries. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. But in episode five, they do, they do mention that it's Fennec. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, it's, it's obviously her. I mean, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's. Yeah. And it was, it was a nice touch to have her in again. Episode four also explored kind of what we already talked about earlier this idea of, well, wait a minute, you know, what happens to the clone troopers that serve the empire? Like how how do the stormtroopers become a thing? And we get to start to see how stormtroopers become a thing. This inclusion of, you know, soldiers. Um, I have a really, really fuck. Go ahead. You know, something else that we forgot to, to bring up was the, um, the, the 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 ID system they introduced. Oh, the chain codes. Yeah, the chain codes. This okay. I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> okay, so hmm, this is a weird thing. 
Um, and you get some. All right. So, well, do do you do you want to do you want to get into what what you think about them, Rob? And then I sure. Can, I, yeah, right. absolutely. I, I mean, you get into what you think about them, and then I've got some background to get into on this and and some thought. But go, go for it. I mean, this is it's really interesting. I mean, the name alone Gee, kind of hints, yes, yes, hints at something. I mean, yeah. you know, Does it start with a B. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> the empire is using blockchains. <laughs> I don't think yeah. that's a mistake. I don't think no. they happened upon that by accident, you know? No. And, no. and personally, I think it's brilliant. Yes. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> folks, you got to understand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you mind if I cut in, in for yeah, just yeah, a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for right. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew this is where you were going too. I mean, we, we did not. Yeah, we did not pre-plan this conversation. No, we didn't no, talk no, about no. this earlier. For, at all. Brian and I just we we operate on the same wavelength. Exactly. Even even we don't talk for like weeks at a time. You know, we just pick up where we left off, and we I I know what he's thinking. He knows what I'm thinking. It's yeah, our quanta are spinning in the same direction. So right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. So, so here, here, here's, here's the thing. Uh, first off, I, I did this first. Okay. Filoni <laughs> 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 doesn't have to cut me a check. That's fine. All right. But now, well, all right, let me be clear. I, I, I dig Bitcoin. Okay. Like I, I'm on board. There, there are, there are cryptocurrencies, blockchain technologies, like name coin, whatever, like there are ideas that are very interesting. The peer-to-peer future, you couldn't find a stronger supporter of the peer-to-peer future than me. Okay. Uh, you know, so, and you can go back, you know, through my 10-year history of my show, Sovereign Tech, where I can prove the point. But you can also find fucking exactly where this is exactly what I said was going to happen. <laughs> uh, I have I have a phrase that... Um, that I, I used to say often, and that is ID is for cattle. And that statement is still true to this day. And um, now to be clear, you know, not so, so I warned years ago, Hey, guess what? You know, like, like this, this could be used for ID systems and this is a bad idea, meaning blockchain. Then you get like events that occurred and we're talking back in 2014, 2015, uh, like ID 2020, where that's exactly what they're talking about. It's that we will get everybody on blockchain. We'll get you, we'll get your identity information, you know, and we're going to take care of the unbanked. We're going to do all this, blah, blah, blah. And of course I was on my show saying, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I even went so far as to make fictional episodes talking about how blockchain, in fact, I called it ominous. That was the name of the blockchain, uh, you know, was, was the big bad um, was, was the villain. Uh, in fact, not unironically in one of those episodes, I even used the A team theme at the end of it, but that's, you know, just a bit of synchronicity. Um, yeah, I, I did this first and I called this first. <laughs> um, but I think that it is, inc- I don't know who, I, I don't know. I don't know who I, whose idea it was to do this whole chain code thing. Um, but that, that's brilliant. Uh, to bring that up because basically what, you know, as soon as the empire gets in place, they want everybody in the fucking galaxy to get a chain code and register to get a chain code. And it becomes a a problem. Go ahead. The way they implemented it was just, I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, I'm sure all, you know, there, there are many 
anti-authoritarian types that listen to the show and are going like, to like, you know, oh, I wouldn't stand for that. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but if you want to like travel and, you know, right. engage in commerce, then what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you don't have it, you're screwed. And that was actually in episode three. That was one of the, that was kind of the major crux yeah. of the episode, the major exactly. issue of the episode. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so to me, how easily this kind of stuff is implemented if they wanted yeah, to. Yeah. And it's frankly, you know, not to bring in the real world too much, but it's a little creepy, you know, when we're well, in, go ahead. It's interesting because I did, I watched a, 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 um, a YouTube uh, channel not too long ago and they were discussing this too, because, you know, I was, I, I went out and looked for information on this. Sure. Because I knew exactly what it was when they brought it up in the episode. Apparently, chain codes, they didn't originate even with the Empire. Uh, okay. They, they, they implemented the, the, the chain codes uh, on the prison population in Star Wars. And the bounty hunters used them. That's how the tracking fobs work. Right. So they did say chain codes in that, in the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. So it started out it started out with with you know keeping tabs on on you know the criminal elements in the galaxy and then they decide hey this works so well we're going to expand it out to the whole population. And, so and you know yeah. and 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 this this is a lesson for real life because you always look to what happens to the people with the least amount of, you know, quote, rights or privileges in a mm -hmm. society to see what's going to happen. You see what happens to them first, and it's eventually going to spread out to everybody else. Right. Yeah, I mean, and and this is, well, again, like I was going to say, you know, not to get, it's creepy to, like, get all this messaging about a chain code when everybody's talking about having like vaccine IDs right know, like right now. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I imagine if, if the vaccine passport becomes a thing, that's mm -hmm. how they implement it is with the blockchain technology. Right. Because, and this is where the, this is where bad batch is really engaging in a bit of technological brilliance. So is the Mandalorian obviously, uh, is that like, look, giant server farms and cloud computing, cannot work in space. Like when you start traveling to outer space, like you can't transmit information that fast. Like it just doesn't right. work that way. You have to operate. You, you have to use peer to peer technology to navigate, you know, uh, an interstellar civilization. Like you don't have a choice, you know, uh, like th th it's just the only logical way to do that. Uh, and so to use blockchain, like a, you kind of have to, but B it does end up, feeling kind of creepy, you know, when you, when you yeah. realize, wow, why are, why are they saying chain code? I mean, you could argue that it's like more of a, a metaphorical thing, you know, that it's like the chains that bind you down, you know, that make you a slave or something like that in the empire. But no, I think they're, I, I, I get the sense they're, they're playing with the concept of, of, of blockchain. Um, and the reason I say that also is because, so I've got a little more color on this too. And that is the last book of the alpha, uh, alphabet squadron trilogy. So that came out, I think in April, I read it. Um, and in that book, spoiler alerts, uh, don't read it, but in that book, uh, <laughs> it's not that good. Okay. But there's a very, I can't it, imagine, you know, yeah. The yeah. first book was such a stellar piece <laughs> such, of work, such a page turner. I mean, yeah. 
Look, Alexander Freed's a great writer, but no, oh, fuck. Anyway, so what you find out in in the 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 last Alphabet Squadron book is that the Empire was creating a gigantic database, and this is where chain codes come in, a gigantic database on the actions of every single human, on every single person that they could, human or not, I suppose, okay, but on every single person in the galaxy. And they were collecting all of that data for one purpose, or the claim of, of one purpose was that so that the emperor could basically blackmail anyone into doing anything. Because if anybody wouldn't obey or stepped out of line, the empire or the emperor could just say, hey, I've got this on camera of what you did, you know, so you're going to have to step in line. And this will probably, I, I imagine they will introduce this because the, the crux of the, of the Alphabet Squadron book uh, or the climax is, you know, do, do we destroy that database or don't we? And so there's a conflict there, uh, like the new Republic would love to have it, but then like all the ex Imperials, even the ones who have turned good, don't want the Republic to know, you know, about what they, mm -hmm. what they've done and everything. Cause it basically mm -hmm. condemns them for the rest of their lives, which I think is actually a great message. Like, I, I love this. It's like, yeah, I mean, this is, this is actually back when I was on sovereign tech years ago, you know, 24, 2013, 2014 critiquing blockchain IDs. I said this very thing. I said, look, you know, when I, the closest thing I had to a digital or that any of us had had to a digital ID in the past decades, since the internet was a thing was perhaps an email address. And I brought up like my original email address that I had on Yahoo. It was tank program zero 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 at yahoo.com. Okay. And, but here's the thing, like, so that could be my ID. And in fact, I've had arguments with people who say, oh, why do you keep changing your email or blah, blah. And I don't really change it that often, but I mean, you know, over time, the thing is, is that look, like I am not the same person that I was when I had that email address. Yeah. I, I don't. And, and, and that's, that's really it. Like just the same idea with this like Imperial database, you know, somebody who was a TIE fighter pilot after the emperor died can completely change their mind. And, you know, it's more about what they do after the atrocity, you know, perhaps even more so than the atrocity itself. And to, to like attach to somehow, because I mean, people will just naturally do this They're You know, if they find out what the more information they have on you, like they're going to hold, they're just going to hold it against you. Okay. Even if you've been trying to rectify, uh, you know, make amends, whatever it is forever. Um, but it's just, I'm getting way off track, but I think that it's a great message to bring up in star Wars. And I'm amazed at just how deep it is on Alexander Freed's part that, you know, Hey, like we, you can't hold like history against somebody forever, especially when they're taking actions to, you know, uh, to repair what they had done perhaps in the past, you know, um, I can speak to that myself. I mean, fuck. Like I, I, I rarely talk about my military experience. Not that I'm like afraid to, I'm not, but also I don't want to be like identified for that the rest of my life. Cause I hate what I did back then. And I'm a completely different person now. Like, I mean, I mean, to, you know, totally different. Uh, like I'm the most peaceful guy you're ever going to meet in your life. And so, you know, how terrible it is to hold people to all of these actions, but that's ultimately what this is saying. And from the chain code to that Imperial database to the whole thing is that, it shows you the power of having so much information over people that 
you know, when you have society where there's accepted morals and blah, 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 and all this, it can all get held against you and you can be made like, how did, I guess this gets back to how did the stormtroopers become the stormtroopers? Like if they're not willing to follow orders like crosshair is in bad batch, how do you get them to actually obey? You get them to obey because if they ever fall out of line, any commander or the emperor or whoever can say, Hey, we have you on recording of slaughtering these kids. So unless you want everybody to know what you did, you better, you know, step into line. Right. And so it does make, it does give a, uh, uh, a malicious justification to why people went along with the empire, even when they knew that it was doing like evil shit, because if they didn't, you know, like they would get chastised or worse or even killed by other members of society. Um, so this idea of the chain codes, a uh, nasty bit of business. And that last book in the in the alphabet squadron trilogy, like shows you what the, the ultimate purpose of that was is to basically to have all that information on people, to have that chain code is to keep all of them in line. Yeah. And, and there's, well, not only that, but I mean, like there's, there's a very disturbing um, unintended consequence from all that too. And we're seeing this mm -hmm. in our society now today and mm -hmm. that it has essentially a chilling effect and it calcifies society because people aren't able to move beyond anything. Right. You know, and you go on Twitter and you know, at, at the drop of the hat, everybody's willing to hold somebody accountable for just one little small thing. They said, you know, five, 10 years ago, like, right. Like you, maybe you move, felt you moved beyond that and you processed it and you deal with it. And then you're, you have all these people, you have the mob that yeah. comes in and essentially, you know, pulls you back into that person you used to be. And you can't move forward. The society can't move forward that way. No, they won't let go. And you know what? The proof is actually another Star Wars example. The proof is with Henry Cavill. So Henry Cavill years, you know, years ago dated Gina Serrano or Gina, right. Gina Carano. Right. And I mean, look, Gina Carano hasn't done anything wrong. Okay. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not, I'm not in that crowd, but there is a large crowd who, you know, they're, they're ready to put the scarlet letter on her. Um, and they already have, Oh, they already have. Right. Yeah, exactly. They're, you know, they're just, they're just waiting for when she could stand still long enough to, to light the fire, I guess. Um, but Henry Cavill was dating Gina Carano years ago this year in 2021. I mean, we're talking like, what was it back in like 2013 or something that they were dating? You know, I mean, it was almost like 10 years ago, I think. And somebody finds out about that today. And then what are they doing? They're taking the pitchforks to Henry Cavill in 2021. Yeah. 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 You know, years later, and it's like, well, what, you know, they're not a, they're not dating anymore, but B, I mean, like, so what, you know? And, and so that's the thing is that even something as simple as that, because he was somehow, you know, in a relationship with that gal who, who now, you know, her name is mud to, according to these people, um, they go and attack him, you know, re retroactively. Right. I mean, this, this, this is, this is even a step beyond pre-crime because you're holding yeah. somebody responsible for something that somebody else did in right. the future. Right. I mean, we don't know, you know, maybe Henry Cavill left her because he totally disagreed with her politics right. or something like maybe yeah. he was in the right. Like what the, what the fuck are you doing to this guy? Right. <laughs> so, uh, 
So basically, if you think that we're talking about like something that just couldn't happen, no, you're just dead wrong because people will just use Twitter like chain codes, you know, and and, and we'll post, you know, long after year, decades after the fact, we'll go after people. Uh, crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so great point, Rob. Um, yeah, this chain code thing. I hope they keep running with that and keep showing, hey, this is this is ugly. And clearly, we already know the end game. Like Alexander Freed already laid out the end game right. of what the purpose of these are. Uh, and and the debate. I don't think the book did a good job of like really ending the debate or even went deep enough. But if you get what he was putting down, you or you know you can pick up what he was putting down if if you're able. You know what? This I just thought of this too. It's really mm. interesting. It, it just kind of reinforces the point I made about how this kind of thing calcifies a society. And you could lay this down as kind of the reason why all the technology in the original trilogy looks worn down, old, and used because they never moved beyond. You uh-huh. look at all the stuff from the prequel era, and it all looks you know shiny, new, and hyper futuristic. Yep, and artistic. Then you get yeah, exactly. And then you get into, you know, the, 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 the rebellion era and everybody's using used shit. It's all run down and cobbled together and, and, you know, duct tape and, and <laughs> shoestrings. And it's, this is what, this is what happens. Well, they're afraid. I mean, it's clear, like people were afraid to express themselves, right? Right. Uh, because you could see it in the in the prequel technology, like in the N1 Starfighter, you know, like, I mean, just these gorgeous, like fluid designs and everything like like it was done by an artist, you know, and and then, yeah, it's like people are just so afraid. They're so lockstepped that they're, they're afraid to express themselves even in their, you know, what they create, even in their engineering. Yeah, it's a chilling effect. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, man. Well, well said. Uh so this show could really touch on some big themes Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting to the bad batch. This really could touch on some big stuff. Um, wow. So you also got a mini review of, uh, of, of the, the, the alphabet squadron trilogy there, by the way, <laughs> just, just don't, don't read it, go to Wikipedia and like read about it, but there's too many pages with very little payoff. Um, other than I, I do, I do think that the prediction of like what a database of what everybody does, which exists right now, it's called Facebook or Twitter or, you know, Instagram or, or TikTok, you know, um, that that's the same thing as this Imperial, uh, database that could be used against every single person on the planet. Yep. Um, it's a good warning to have for star Wars to have and very ahead of its time. I, and kind of odd to come from a corporate shill company like Disney. So well, but that's the benefit it. of having somebody who's not concerned about, you know, the dollar signs. Exactly. And, and creative control. Exactly. You, bingo. You got it. Uh, keep the money dumb. Let the artists do what they got to do. And right. it, it, it'll, it'll stand up. Oh, man. Any Okay. Well, so <laughs> that whole diatribe. I'm glad you brought up the chain codes because, yeah, as soon as I heard that, too, I was like, oh, blockchain. Yeah. Like, I, I, I totally. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know why it didn't occur to me when we were watching the Mandalorian. Cause like you said, they brought it up there when Boba yeah. Fett's bringing up his, his, his armor, you know, chain code. And yeah, I, I didn't think I, about it at the time and, and it totally makes sense now. Yeah. I mean, right. Like when it was said in the Mandalorian, I think I just thought of it as, okay, the person's a criminal. So 
you know, so it's like the chains, you know, the ball and chain yeah, yeah. that a mm-hmm. prisoner wears. So like, I think that was my, my, my reasoning at that point, but now that it's being applied to everybody, oh, now it makes sense. And then when you get that, when you get that backstory, uh, or kind of that retroactive information of the Imperial database, what everybody does for blackmail, um, that just like explains it even better, what it's really right. all about. Uh, Yeah. So, and I, and I imagine there is reason for like why that last alphabet squadron book came out just before bad batch, um, uh, ended up airing as well. So that said, um, we'll get, I guess any more on episode four. I mean, it, it was, a Fennec Shand, I thought having her again was, was a great inclusion. Uh, you know, I have no complaints there. I thought that worked really well. Uh, Tarkin was in the episode he delivered, um, and I think his, and also I think his point where he says, you know, the clones are still going to have a purpose. I do think that is also pointing more at the death troopers. Right. Um, because it seems Imperial officials just love those damn things. Um, so episode five, if we want to, you know, go on to that. Um, not, a, I mean, baby rancor. Was <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> now I kind of imagine. I'm going to watch, uh, I'm going to watch return of the Jedi. And now I'm going to cry when the rancor dies. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this is really going to be sad. Like, God damn it, Luke. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we get some very funny moments with a baby rancor, uh, but ultimately we get, I feel like we get the setup for what is going to be the episodic nature, uh, or kind of the, the a, you know, every, every show seems to have an a story and a B story. Uh, the a story is going to be the a team. You know, this is right. where they get set up. Hey, there's more money where, you know, where this comes from. Cause they get hired to do a job. They go and do it. They get set up to where they could do more jobs. Um, and, and that's going to be our thrust. And I'm fine with that. Like that, that's, I, this is what I expected. And we got some great setup, so I'm I'm on board with it. I mean, what what did you think about this episode overall, Rob? And then I guess maybe the direction that it's taking things in. Yeah, no, I mean, this is pretty much going along with you know we, we both expected in terms mm-hmm. of kind of like the overall arc of the show being, and you know the the A story, if you will. So mm-hmm. um, it was more of kind of like a a little bit more slapstick in this episode, and that was fine. Yeah, I had no problems with that. It was it, yep. they played it off very well. Yeah, Bib Fortuna. It was nice to have him there. Like that was a nice little inclusion. Um, and yeah, there was a bit of slapstick, but that that's fine. I mean, and that's an element of the A team as well. But right. Um, but uh, yeah, I I, I I liked it. You know, yeah. and episode six, they, I don't admit. Go ahead. They do seem to be setting up something with with perhaps a you know a problem with Wrecker in the future because he keeps on you know hitting his head and, and grunting and you oh know, yeah his, his chip is acting up or something. Yeah, that's that's going to be a problem down the line. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see certainly what happens there. Um, That is, you know, that is an interesting like ticking time bomb basically in all of their heads. Sure, it didn't activate, but like, I think it's still there in all of them. I don't think they removed them, did they? No, because I mean, as far as we know, Rex is the only one that knows how. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I wonder where that's going to go. well, they do have, you know, a connection um, through, um, uh, what's his name from uh, Salukamai? Uh, I can't remember his name now. The guy with the kids and the Twi'lek wife. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I can't think. I I know who you. Who you yeah, mean. yeah. So they have a connection to Rex right. through him, so he could show up in the series again, and they could put out, you know, potentially put them, you know, in touch with Rex, and Rex could explain how to remove the chips. Yeah, I mean, because we're getting, you know, mention, and you know, we're getting Sagrera in this. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's something else that that has to come into play. Um. I'm expecting some kind of interaction, admittedly, between uh, Omega and Jin Urso, a very young Jin Urso also. Uh, but anyway, that's that's getting off into sidetracks. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So I, I, I thought the first five episodes, I mean, far better than I expected, frankly. Like, I, I granted, I wasn't expecting a lot, but I'm getting way more than than I was than I was planning on. And I'm happy about it. And talking actually talking about a lot more with you, Rob. I like it even more uh, cool. know, coming out, yeah. coming out of this conversation. I mean, I, the, the, this, the show is pretty much everything that I expected and wanted. So I'm right. like, you know, I'm, I'm happy as a pig and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and again, it is, it's yes, it's Clone Wars season eight, but that's not a bad thing. Like, no, I, I don't understand no. why people are saying it's a bad thing. Let's keep the story going. You know, the story's supposed to go all the way to the end of Rebels anyway. So Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then Rebels picks up from there too. So right. uh or well, you know, has his conclusion to come uh whenever we get Ezra back and and the rest of the gang. So yeah, I, I dig it. I, I dig what's what's happening and what's any other thoughts you want to share on uh, on Bad Batch, Rob? No, not really. I mean, we've we've said quite a bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly uh, a lot to chew on here. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure next time we convene, there'll be a you know we'll have quite a few more episodes uh, in the hopper to uh, to discuss, and we'll see where if they plan on taking it elsewhere. Right. So, with all of that reviewing of uh, some pretty damn good TV, frankly, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into what some would say is the greatest are the greatest things that TV has ever produced. Maybe next to Carl Sagan's Cosmos, and if you ask me, I put Babylon five a little higher, but we don't need to go there because we are here to talk about some star Trek. What at one time was the antithesis of star Wars. And there were often Rob, did you ever experience the fanboy wars between star Wars and star Trek fans? Oh, of course. I mean, and, and <laughs> to a certain degree, I even took part in it, you know, um, what side? <sighs> Oh, wait, no, it, no, don't, yeah, don't add it, to the it, Imperial database. <laughs> okay. 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 I, I'm pretty sure I know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All right. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> so Rob loves them all. <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Were you mean to Star Trek fans, Rob? Come on. No, <laughs> no. no. I, Were you I on the Star, Star Trek, Trek side? I, I was on both. Yeah, well, you're on both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really was. I mean, like, you know, I mean, there were times when I have conversations with with fellow Star Trek fans, and I said, "Oh yeah, Star Trek is way better than Star Wars," and this, and this, and this, and this. And then I have conversations with Star Wars fans, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, Star Trek doesn't do any of this kind of stuff." <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like, yeah, I say it's apples and oranges, dude, and you can, yeah, you yeah. can, you can love both. That's right. Eat your fruit, folks. So, <laughs> uh, well, Rob and I do both love Star Trek. And uh, in the last episode of TIE Fighter Renegades, we went down a list, had a, frankly, a great conversation um, around our favorite uh, Star Trek or our, kind of our ranking of Star Trek films. 
And this was inspired by a video done by Trexpertise that I thought was particularly well done. Uh, I will link to that video in the show notes for this episode as well, where he ranked both the movies and the TV series. And now we're going to get into our ranking for the TV series. And I think Rob's uh, picks here are going to be as interesting, shall we say, as his, <laughs> as his movie ranking was. Um so how did we do this last time? Did we, did we go back and forth? Do we like, you know, we just called it and then we talked about it, right? Yeah, I think so. And we right. started from the bottom up. All right. So let's go with, so we got six here because there, there is, as Neo said, there is no spoon. Well, as we say, there is no discovery. There is no Picard. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a race to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So there are six series, but basically if you want to count the seven, it's this whole muddled, uh, 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 what's that ass hat's name? Um, I can't even think of it now. Kurtzman, whatever it's this whole Kurtzman verse. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Dune, you know, there, there are six books and they were written by Frank. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> we hear about there's like the stuff done by Brian Herbert. That's like fan fiction, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Fan fiction, <laughs> yeah. which we know how messy that can get. Oh, it gets messy. So, uh, here we go. So we have six series to, to break down, of course. Uh, and I guess let's, let's just, let's do it. So number six on my list, and then we'll go to Rob's number six on my list is star Trek enterprise. Uh, of course, from, you know, the, the last kind of series of the, the official Star Trek canon. Um, Rob, your number six was the animated series. Okay. And this is just kind of almost by default. And I'll be honest, I, I haven't even watched all of the animated series. That No, that's fair. That's totally fair. So, all right. Uh, so my number five actually isn't that far off. My number five is the animated series. Um, number five for you, Rob. Um, I'm sure Brian is going to have some words about this, but Voyager. My pants just got really tight. I don't know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> In the back. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, number four. I mean, did, I mean do you want to talk about it? All right. Well, we will. Well, because we'll, I want to go down your list. I okay. think people might've okay. heard mine before. So I want to go okay. down your list and we will. No problem. Um, the one thing I'll say quick on the animated series for me, the only reason that mine's at number five, because we don't need to have a long conversation around the animated series. The only no. reason it's number five, I just, I can't, I can't put anything that has the work of William Shatner in the original series crew, like at the bottom. I just can't see doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, but that's, and like, and that Roddenberry is involved with that's, but that's all that I can say on it, you know? Um, and also like, I, I did feel like it took Star Trek to, like places that special effects budgets and special effects as they were at the time couldn't do. And, right. and, and it really made for some great stories. Uh, and there's like a, you her episode where she like really kicks ass and that's awesome. But anyway, okay. So there we go. The, uh, number f and like you said, for you, the animated series was default. So let's go to number four. Uh, number four is for me is star Trek deep space nine. I'm sure Rob's going to have a problem with that. Uh, number four, <laughs> number four for Rob is it's enterprise. All right. Uh, number three for me is star Trek. The next generation. Number three for Rob. I think everybody else just shit their pants at that point, but <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. Um, the original yeah. series 
for, for number three for you. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number. Gotcha. So number two for me, Star Trek Voyager. Number two for Rob. The next generation. Okay. Number one for me, of course, there's only one thing left. That being the original series. Uh, and number one for Rob. At Deep Space Nine. We're going to have a conversation about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I can hold my own. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's nuts, but that's okay. No, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. think it's nuts. I think it, it, it's it, it, anyway. All right. We, we will talk about it. So let's, so there's our listings. Um, and, and more so like the, our movie picks were kind of like just off kilter a little bit in differences. Mm-hmm. It's where I feel like this is wildly different minus the animated series. Um, well, we did have a couple of wild differences in their movie picks. I mean, you know, my yeah. top chick was, a, was, was generations of, yeah. Which that, yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> right. hey, to each their own. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So, okay. So let's do this. Uh, so of course we talked about the animated series already, like our reasonings yeah. behind where they fall for each of us. So I don't think we have to go any further on that. I totally understand your point that it's just kind of like defaults to the end. And there's always the debate that of what level of Canon is that show anyway? Right. Uh, I think like that's the, one of the reasons why I just never really got around yeah. watching the whole thing. Yeah. Like the Okudas never count it in their encyclopedias or chronologies. Right. Um, so I, I get that. Uh, I do think there's brilliant stuff in there, but I totally understand where you're coming from. I've never held it against like a Star Trek fan that they never watched the animated series. It's like, okay, so what? Um, yeah. and I, and I had like way back in the day, I had issues with the, um, the, um, antimatter universe thing. I mean, I just, I mean, Oh Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, best episodes are with Spock and Uhura, frankly. So anyway, um, so let's go to number five because for number five, for me ranked really high number two, uh, there's even been times where I think I've called it my favorite, uh, and that for, but for you, it's number five and that's Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. What puts this at number five for you? <sighs> I really like Voyager for me, like a lot of Star Trek shows didn't really hit its stride until a couple years in. I mean, Mm. I would say the first couple of years of of Voyager where I I think I even at the time I called it the anomaly, the the spatial anomaly of the week show, (laughs) because that's basically what it was every week. Um, And then and then um, and then they got into the year of hell, which was just it was so dark. That was very dark. Yeah, I didn't. And I didn't like it. I just I, I, it, 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 it just set a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And there was some stuff going on behind the scenes with Voyager that I didn't like with, you well, know, like with the, Jerry Taylor with with. Yeah, with with. But also with the way they got rid of uh, Jennifer Lean. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the 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 animosity between Jerry Taylor and Kate Mulgrew and. It's just, it's all very disappointing. Sure. Uh, did you, did you dis at least initially, um, I feel like this is a character that a lot of people learn to love seasons later. Uh, did you initially have an issue with seven of nine when she came in season four, right? No. Scorpion. No? I mean, I mean, I knew why she was there. It was, From the, it was, it was obvious, but they didn't mm-hmm. have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. 
And and I yeah. just love the I just love the Borg so much. So you know, I mean, more Borg and having you know a, a reformed Borg on board was just a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose we're not going to do it now, but it'd be fun to do like a captain's ranking <laughs> at some point because I'm curious where where Janeway would fit for you. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd have to admit she's not going to be very high, dude. Wow. She's too authoritarian. Oh, well, that's true. She, she, yeah, she definitely cracks the whip that that's yeah. you. You're not wrong about that. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting that you would say that. I mean, do you have more on that or no, we'll, we'll talk about that. Like I said, we, we, we'll do a captain's ranking at some point, Yeah, but yeah, just, just, I, I kind of have to just get that off my chest that I, I would not put right. Janeway. I don't know where exactly I'd put her, but she would not be very high for that particular reason. Wow. Okay. That, that is going to be an amazing conversation too. Uh, <laughs> so there's content for the next episode. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, for me, so why Voyager ranks so high for me, I won't spend a ton of time on it. Uh, and I've said this many times about the show. It was really, it was Star Trek for Star Trek's sake. Like it was Star Trek. The reason why I don't think the show was ever super popular, um, was because you had to be a Star Trek fan to get it. If you weren't a Star Trek fan, like if you didn't have, like if you weren't bought into the mythology and everything and the way that uh, even the anomaly of the week worked and, you know, a lot of the techno babble, you were just lost when you, when you watched the show, I feel like. Um, but that's what I loved about it was that it was like, it was that payoff for, Hey, if you've been like so knee deep into Star Trek all your life, We've got the show for you that is, you know, that is meant for you as a fan. Uh, I, and admittedly, like I thought Janeway was pretty great. I get it that Chakotay and some of the other characters never really like got to certain heights. Yeah. Um, well, not, not to mention the, the problematic depictions of native Americans. Yes. Or not, I'm not, not native Americans, but, uh, well, yeah, native Americans. Yeah. Native Americans. Yeah. 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 Um, Yes. I, I agree. And I mean, there, there are actually, there are a lot of issues around that. Uh, it's a very interesting history and story to get into, uh, around how Chakotay ended up becoming a character. Uh, so I get that. Um, but I mean, the characters we did have, uh, I never liked Neelix admittedly. So he grew on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't like him at first, but he grew on me. I thought Tuvix yeah. was brilliant. I love that episode. Oh, that was good. That was good. Well, that's the thing is uh, the character of Tuvok, Seven of Nine, the Doctor, the Doctor especially, I mean, are just dynamite characters. Um, I even like Harry. I mean, poor Harry, who never got promoted. He had a raw deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and when you brought, you know, and then later seasons when they brought in the Borg, I mean, you just got like Unimatrix Zero, all these different ideas that were just so damn cool. Uh, Like I, again, you've got to be bought into the mythology, but if you were, um, and you wanted, like, you just wanted something that just was constantly self-referential. I feel like it was, it was that. So that's why it ranks high for me. Um, but regardless, we'll move on. Number four. So Star Trek enterprise. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm just like, admittedly, I'm surprised that this is above Voyager, but okay. G- it, g- sell me on this. You know what? I, there, there was a time where this was at the bottom of my list. Mm-hmm. I'll be entirely honest with you, but I did a rewatch of it uh, several years ago mm-hmm. and it just really grew on me. Yeah. I mean, I, 
this this show does really good in um, binge watching and in a rewatch. Yes. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, when it you're gets, not waiting every week. Right. Yeah. It gets and, and like I said, it, 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 I think it gets better the more you watch it. Yeah, because you see a lot of the nuance in especially yeah. a lot of the Vulcan characters. Um, mm-hmm. And there's there's real character arcs in this. I mean, they're just fantastic. Um, but I mean, you know, keep going if you got yeah, more. But I mean, and, and, like the, and honestly, the thing I hate most about the show is what they did to Trip in the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, he gets offed. Yeah, um, I mean, but yeah, that I mean that that still pisses me off to this very day, because mm-hmm. it to me it was even more a hollow death than Tasha Yar's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I I I completely agree on that. Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest critiques of the show, and also for me, is boy, that last episode is is hot trash. Uh, yeah, like yeah, th- like that. But then, but then I could say the same thing about Voyager. You thought Endgame was hot trash? Yeah, I really do. It was rushed. Yeah. Oh, all right. So the second act felt very rushed. Yeah. I'll, I'll, all right. I'll agree with that. I mean, um, you like you, and you didn't have any time to really just kind of like breathe and take it in, and yeah. you know, yeah. It, it 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 honestly it kind of felt like um um uh what you may call it Rise of Skywalker. Ooh. Ow. Yeah. Sorry. All right. <laughs> well, there it is. <laughs> I'm not saying this is the same thing opinion I have about Rise of Skywalker. It's not a terrible movie. It's mm. just not good Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, Enterprise is at number six, not because it's bad. And I know Rob and I have both said this statement in the past. I mean, any hour of like official Star Trek, that means no fan fiction. Any hour of official Star Trek is better than just about any hour of anything else. So even though we're putting enterprise wherever we put it or any of these shows, wherever we put them, they're still all like great, you know, more or less. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, other, other than the animated series, which obviously I haven't really even finished like all of this, I, I will sit down and watch, just for the hell of it on a regular basis. Yeah. Same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like me putting enterprise in number six, I'm not really knocking it. I love it. Uh, like, and I think, I mean, so many of the characters are great in that trip was a, was an awesome character. I love is, trip. He is my yeah. favorite character in, in the whole entire series. Yeah. I mean, especially for, you know, even, even just from a, frankly, I'll just say this, you know, for Star Trek to not make fun of Southern people like every other show on planet Earth does. Right. Was one of the most future forward looking things, you know, and, and like, I, I appreciated the fuck out of that, even yeah. though, you know, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a Jew, I'm a Northern boy as much as anything. I mean, but it's just, I, I thought that was very well done. And something that actually recent fan fiction, Star Trek fan fiction, like Lower Decks has uh, backpedaled on and, and is, is really, I think, deplorable. Uh, and well, it just shows, you know, that these people don't get Star Trek anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Trip was great, to Paul was great, Scott Bakula. I predicted that he'd become a captain in like '96. I said that that yeah, you know, Dr. Sam Beckett should be a, a starship captain. And and it happened, and he was awesome. Um, so yeah, Enterprise, yeah, I get it. Uh definitely better the more you watch it. Uh let's go to number three for you. Um the and I'm trying series? 
Yeah, yeah. The original series. I'm trying to not take it as an insult, and uh, we'll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and and we'll get to it, but I mean, my one and two are almost interchangeable too. Sure. Yeah, I can understand that. And so, I mean, it's it's all very close. Okay. Is what I'm trying to get around to saying. Well, what what puts original series at number three instead of like number one or two? Because one and two are kind of like what I grew up with. Okay. And especially, I mean, and and here again, this is this is kind of spoiling the conversation for later. Well, let's let's do it. We well, why don't we why don't we talk about okay. one or two? Let's okay. go to so, two. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So number two is the next generation, and it's almost yeah. interchangeable with my number one, which is Deep Space Nine. And mm-hmm. I just think the storytelling in Deep Space Nine is a little bit better. But number like next generation, you understand for me. Is it's like going home. That was yeah. That was my family when yeah. I was growing up. You know, I I totally know. I mean, uh, I've been you know like I remember when Next Generation first came on in '87. I was six, but I like I I can't forget yeah. watching Encounter yeah. at Farpoint. And, and just just the dynamic between the 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 cared like the chemistry all these characters had. And, and their interrelationships and that that was such a strong focus of the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really was like formative for me and, you know, my idea of what a family should be like, because in many ways it was all the things that was kind of lacking in my own real family. Yeah. Um, boy, I, I can hear that too. Uh, I mean, and let's be honest, especially in the eighties and nineties are, and I'm not saying it stopped, um, but our parents, you know, put us in front of televisions so that they didn't have to babysit us, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and, like, and thank God uh, Star Trek was there for us. I'm not thank God, uh, but I mean, yeah, no, just, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, hell I've said that like, you know, my parents didn't raise me. Fucking Captain Picard raised me. Captain right, Kirk raised right. me. You know, yeah, like, yeah. And and and, I, and boy, am I glad because they're far yeah. better role models than you know than most of the adults and, in my life were. And, and and I just thought of it now, but I mean, there there might be just some element too is, is that you know the original series was my dad's favorite, and he loved Captain Kirk, and my dad and I don't have the best relationship, so nah. it might just be lowering the fact that you know it's 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 still a little bit of rebellion in me against sure. what he liked. Sure. No, and, and I can respect that, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, so I, I hear you that, it, that it's family, you know, like, like I, I really get that. I mean, give, you know, D space nine being at number one, like what differentiates that? And I know you said they could be interchangeable, but like what differentiates that one for you? It is different star Trek than any other star Trek. No doubt about that. Yeah. I just think the, the, in terms of the, the, the writing it's top notch. Yes. The stories that it tells, the, 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 the places it's willing to go in terms of social commentary, it goes farther than I think any Star Trek has gone before or since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, was, it, it would get dark. Um, and and it, it portrayed a less utopian future uh, <laughs> than, than Roddenberry uh, had right, envisioned. Right, but I mean... And, there, there was always that element. I mean, like, you know, as dark as it got, like they, here again, there was kind of like, you know, that family element and just that, that sense that things were going to work out. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas in when Voyager got dark, they're all out on their own in the middle of, you know, the beta quadrant. And they've got nobody to rely on themselves. You don't have Starfleet. Yeah. So when it got dark, it like it like it felt really, really, really dark. Mm -hmm. But when things got dark in Deep Space Nine, it's kind of like, you know, you could always see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. I can hear that. Um, Yeah. I mean, like so for me, Deep Space Nine was at number four. Um, and next generation was just under it. I love both of those shows. I mean, I, I, I really, really do. Uh, there's, there's a part of me, like I get it. And I've heard Ira bear talk about how, you know, he thought Roddenberry's idea, you know, like that, that technology would solve everything was ridiculous. And, you know, and like, no, things are going to go wrong. They always do. And I get that. I understand that realism that he wanted to bring. Um, I thought Cisco overall was a good character. I, I think D space nine for me is actually way more about the background characters than it is about the foreground characters. Oh, abs- absolutely. I mean, yeah. some of my favorite characters are like Nog. Right. Or you frankly, know? and yeah, like, and and I like the character of Bashir, but look, Morn is a better character than Dr. Bashir. But I say that respectfully. <laughs> I just love that. Like there's this running joke on the station about Morn that anybody can get, you know, and, and it's like, it's the character that's there, but not. And, and it's brilliant. I don't know any other show that really has uh, quite a character like Morn. And I'm not, I'm not, I really, I'm not being like sarcastic about that. I'm dead serious. I love that. Um, but yeah, uh, section 31, I mean, Garrick, there's just so many, there's so many amazing things. Um, and, and as, and as much as I love Deanna Troy and Dr. Crusher, I think the Mm -hmm. the female characters on next generation are just a tier higher. I think Kira and Dax. Oh, on D space nine, that they're a tier higher. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think actually, I think, uh, like Dax is a, is a ton of fun. Um, one of my favorite moments in star Trek is when, when her and Worf (laughs) are coming into (laughs) in the sick bay it looked like they just you know went through a battle or something but it, it, no it wasn't a war yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a different kind of war <laughs> it was a different kind yeah <laughs> there's some advanced klingon calisthenics right there <laughs> and Bashir's just like well what happened to you two it's like well we uh uh, uh you know <laughs> man that was good shit <laughs> so uh so look i love d space nine like i i get it for me you know kind of how you said that and this, this isn't like even on the same plane, admittedly, but how you said with the original series, you know, that there might be some rebellion in, you know, in you, because that was like your dad's favorite. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I actually hold against D space nine to this day. I still think that, that it, I mean, it became more, but it started out with paramount copying Babylon five. Right. Out. And I get, and I get that. I, I, yeah. I do understand it. And in and- fact, I, 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 I feel bad because I still like D space nine more than I like Babylon five. And, and, sure. and I'm sorry, but no, no, just, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, but I get it. I totally get it. And I, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> well, I, I want to read, I actually, I want to read a tweet and this is a tweet just from a few days ago from, from J Michael Straczynski, the creator of Babylon five. Who is a it great was, account to follow on Twitter. If you are on Twitter. Yes. Right. So th- this is hilarious what he said. <laughs> he was responding to somebody or was retweeting somebody, but he says this. He says, if you're going to take something I've written and rewrite it in a less interesting or original way, you should probably put a nine behind the title. 
<laughs> Someone said that to me, and I I fell over, man. <laughs> so there's that. So I, I I just again, D Space Nine really did become so much more. It became an original property. I'm not going to say that it didn't, um, but I've really held that against that for a long time. Yeah. So um, for me, as far as why is the original series number one? I guess I should say that as well. Uh, you know, I know there are people who say that it feels dated. I feel quite the opposite. I, I still think that that show, while it doesn't hold up overall as well as like, if you watch the next generation from like season three up today, it looks as modern as it did in the 95 in 95, or it looks as futuristic even as it did in 95. I mean, it just, it, it plays like it was yesterday, you know? Um, the original series does not have that luxury. I'll admit. But overall, I feel like the original series explored such bigger ideas. Like I get the appeal to the family nature of the next generation and it's there, but like the original series was just, I feel like it was rocking on a whole other scale. Like, I mean, when you're dealing with the space amoeba, like I think one of the most brilliant ideas just ever put to paper was when McCoy says in the episode with the, with the giant space and he's like, what if our whole purpose in life is that we're just the immune system of the universe? And like, th that's just a crazy idea, crazy ideas you might get in like season one and two of the next generation, but that were almost a norm in the original series. And part of that granted is because you were getting the, the gods of the golden age of science fiction, writing those episodes, you know, for the original series. Um, but I just, I loved the scale that that show was playing on. Um, and I don't know, you know, there was a time where like, it could have been a toss up, like the original series wouldn't have been as high, mm -hmm. frankly, the, you know, like star Trek Picard, like really, really, really soured the, the, the next generation mm -hmm. for me, because now I can't watch and I'm watching the next generation right now. Ellen and I are, you know, we're doing a rewatch of it. And I can't see Picard without thinking about how much Patrick Stewart screwed the pooch, you know, with, with the most recent series or fan fiction. And, and that's, that's, just, I, I hate it that I'm doing that, but I can't help it because yeah, I, Picard I, was that horrible. I, Go ahead. I can't let myself to do that. I mean, just, I, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry that that's your reaction. <laughs> I really am. I'm sorry. That's, that's, it's terrible. And, and then I don't blame you for feeling that way at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he, it, it I, I hate it because like the next generation is re really is such a perfect show. Like it's so perfect. And yeah, then, I mean, I, I, I say this to this very day that, that, um, all good things is, is perhaps the greatest season finale of any show ever period. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I wouldn't argue much against that. I mean, it, it really is a perfect show. And I, and I even like, look, folks, I even like season one and two. I really do. I, I loved what they were doing, uh, some of the stuff in that. And some of the things, there were some of the best quotes of the series ever come from those two seasons. Yeah, well, um, I mean, that's where, where Roddenberry had the most influence was on the first precisely. two seasons. Precisely. I mean, that's the other part that's changed for me, too, is my understanding, like, as I got older, you know, like, the more I've come to understand with research and everything of, you know, what of Star Trek was Roddenberry and what wasn't. And not that I, like, put... Roddenberry on some kind of crazy pedestal, but he's on 
a bit of a pedestal. And I think he had some really brilliant ideas. I think he had some batshit ideas too, but I, I think he had some really brilliant stuff that is rare uh, for anyone in the entertainment industry. Um, and so that, that, that's kind of changed things for me yeah. as well. Um, I mean, that's, that's, this, this kind of comes back to what we were talking about with, you know, having visionaries in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and understand, I, I don't put George Lucas on a pedestal either, but you know, um, maybe a little, <laughs> okay, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> a too. little, yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, it, it's, it's not like I worship the guy, right you know. I, I, I recognize that the, the man has faults just like we all do. Same thing with, yep. you know, Roddenberry and I'm yes. sure Filoni too, but he's very guarded about his, his, you know, his, his person. So I mean, and I can understand, you yeah. know, considering what, what happened to both Roddenberry and, and, and Lucas in terms of, you know, their public exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. Um, I mean, it's, The, the the money thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I I really think it got to a point where Roddenberry really didn't care about the money anymore, and and it was all about he really he just really wanted to preach. Now, while I don't want Star Wars to preach to me, and I just kind of want it to entertain me, I do want Star Trek to preach to me, right? Because I mean, it is like it became that platform of ideas. Like that, that's, that's been a major part of Star Trek strength. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing too, is is that, I mean, that's a very unique kind of preaching too, where you're creating a platform of ideas Mm -hmm. rather than telling you, this is how you should live. Yes. Right. Uh, I mean, they definitely, and, 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 you know, Star Trek had plenty of, it's not the Bible. No, right. It's not. I mean, there's plenty of episodes where they wouldn't have an answer, right? right? Like a a private little war. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. you get no answer. Um, That's so, one of the reasons why I love the the um, the pilot, or well, not the pilot, but the the first episode of of Beats My Mind, because you know they set that down that you know it's it's what we don't know that you know in many ways defines us, and it's that exploration, not just for mm-hmm. you know answers, but new oh, questions. For new questions, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, I I need or I, I want that content out there that is willing to preach that is willing to sermonize. And I mean, certainly modern Star Trek is not that like, like recent Star Trek is, is not that at all. Um, and it's okay. Even if I disagreed with it or no, you know what? I think a lot of people think that modern Star Trek is, is preaching, you know, and like that it's, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, agenda. I, I think it's a pre- preaching in a very shallow sort of way. Yes. Right. It, it's just, it's, it's a trendy preaching. It's not like right. a, year 1 million kind of preaching. Yeah, you're not you're not you're you're playing to the choir. You're not, you know, exactly. kind of yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for yeah, you're totally right. Um so I want that like really far-fetched, you know, like like thinking and or you know, the real forward, really forward thinking. Um and that's just that's not not there anymore. But I and so I guess just to kind of bring it all in. I mean, Star Trek overall does that. The original series I feel like did it the most, and so it puts it at my top. But I mean, I'll admit like drama and, and story execution and everything else. I mean, deep space nine probably beats them all. Um, and, and I, and, and that, that sense of family. Oh yeah. I mean, you felt that family from when you're watching TV to when you went to the star Trek conventions at that time, when those shows were still running, you felt complete. Like 
my parents, you know, rarely let me out of their sight. But when I went to a Star Trek convention, yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and you'll I, be fine. <laughs> and, and and of course, now more than ever, I I, I miss that. You know, yes, me too. Like I haven't I haven't been to a Star Trek convention in years. And mm-hmm. after the year that we've had, I'm kind of like, this is like I'd really like to go to a Star Trek convention and not just some like officially organized Star Trek convention, but sort of just like the the, you know, smaller scale, you know, down home sort of Star Trek conventions right. that people just put together on their own back in the days that don't seem yeah. to happen anymore. Everything yeah, has to be. F- yeah, every, everything has to be filtered now through through some you know bigger organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I just I want to see like the fold out tables with the cheap little pins that are yeah. you know, replicating what's uh, the, right, the ones right. from the the pins or the insignia from Star Trek Two. And yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I I do I miss that as well uh, because it's funny like uh, we we never argued like I mean we're, we you know we're having fun having this conversation what our favorite TV series and everything are but. Like we never argued like people argued today. Holy hell. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. Over the minutia and everything. I mean, yeah, there'd be, okay, you know, well, did this do this? And, but not like, well, yeah. I mean, there was always the, I mean, like there's, there's a reason why the nitpickers guide to the Star Trek exists. Right. I mean, it's because right. there, I mean, there, there's an element in, in, in all of us, but we have fun doing that. It's not yeah. an adversarial or antagonistic, you know, conversation that we have. Right. It's not like, I mean, cause here's the problem is like now you have Star Trek and Star Wars. And I mean, I guess to some degree we, we might engage in that ourselves here and there, but like now the fandoms, like now it, what's at stake isn't okay. You know, how, how much energy does the Boussard collector actually collect now? It's, this is the downfall of civilization, you know, like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Like we're actually arguing about whether or not, uh, you know, the United States is going to collapse based upon how good Star Trek is. Like that, that, that seems to be the way these arguments go now. And I, wow. You know, it, it makes you want to be a mission impossible fan because you know, mission impossible fans never argue about shit, but their franchise is huge. <laughs> and there's tons of history <laughs> and it's a, and it was a damn good show. Uh, but, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know. It blows my mind. So anyway, there, there's, there's our, 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 our top lists. Uh, there's our, our, our Star Trek rankings. Uh, really all of them are great. You know, I, I think yeah. we, we, you know, we both agree on that. Um, but as far as I, I totally agree with you on that family thing, it's there and it's a world you want to live in. That's yeah. Yeah. That that's really such is. a rare thing. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I think in a lot of ways it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it, it's both what Brian and I have looked for all of our lives. And it's something that we see in one another. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was something that a lot of people I think were seeing in it because in fact, I, I, I know I recorded an episode at some point where I was reading from an essay at the back of the original printing of the Marvel comic book, uh, uh, you know, comic bookization graphic novelization of Star Trek, the motion picture. So this is from 1979. And like the last words of this essay, it was saying we need Star Trek because it represents our salvation. And, you know, like as a species, like it's showing us, guess what? We can get past all this bullshit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, In fact, I remember I gave that to you as a birthday present. I guess. So, (laughs) uh, so this is a, 
you know, I get it that this is like, in, for some, it is a very serious thing. Uh, at the same time, like, I don't think that how Star Trek is, is, you know, somehow going to decide, you know, what wars get won or fought. But yeah, it's a place you wanted to be. And, and, and well, anyway, it's a shame that that legacy isn't continuing today. And that's all you can really say about it. It's just a shame that it's not continuing anymore. Well, we uh, continue the, the legacy here on this show. That's true. That's true. It's certainly a light we're still carrying. Uh, you know, as I always say, I'm, yeah, I'm a short-term pessimist, but I'm a long-term optimist. Uh, and we'll get there. Or at least yeah. Yeah. some yeah. some will be able to, we'll get there. <laughs> so. the, 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 the current iteration of Star Trek is not the last. No, that's going to die. Like that, 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 that'll fade away, you know, um, in a hundred years from now, who knows, you know, uh, same with star Wars, frankly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You All know, that's these... something, it, it's weird. It's something that, you know, with, with ever since the, the sale of star Wars to Disney, it's something I've had to actually, you know, be cognizant of and, and, and process is that all, you know, there's going to be star Wars stories that I'll never see. Well, maybe you'll get to see him, but yeah, no, yeah, I know yeah, what you but mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it bothers me. We'll, we'll, we can, we can end off with this unless you have more you want to get out. Um, I think we we mentioned it earlier. the The Amazon purchasing of MGM, like they own Stargate now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and you know and and. I'll probably do an episode about this or something, but like the terms of that agreement basically said that, you know, they plan on repurposing the properties of MGM. And I'm like, so basically you're going to remake everything. And I'm like, you know, we don't need Stargate remade. <laughs> okay. Like mm. just, just continue that greatness. And, and yeah, Rob's just the, falling over. What do you got? The, 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 the thing is shame is, is like the, we've, we've come close to a new Stargate several times Yes, in the last decade. Yeah. And it's always fallen apart. Yep. And it seems like this is the case again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, Bezos didn't care about the money with uh with the, the Expanse, the only other good show on TV. Yeah. Uh, so, who knows. But uh anyway, there's Star Trek. If you haven't watched all that action, man, you are you in for a great time. Uh, because I guarantee you all of that holds up just as well. You know, I said next generation holds up. No, all of it holds up just as well today uh, as it did when it originally aired. And there's still so much to glean and learn and take away from, uh, you know, really intellectual television um, yeah. that, I mean, that just we, played on another level. We both highly recommend everything that's on this list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there, there's nothing here I'm going to tell you. No, that's not worth your time. Absolutely. Yeah bingo you got it that that's it and i think that's probably the best note to end on so all right rob we uh <laughs> a pleasure as always <laughs> yes it is and uh we'll we'll see um how the chain codes go <laughs> until <Ooh>. next time <laughs> <laughs> we'll see all of you woo, on the other side <laughs>